wherever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crutch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromelo, and I'm home after spending the week in Mobile, Alabama, watching 2020 Senior Bowl practices, and that means the final three-month sprint to the 2020 NFL Draft is underway. And to help start us off, it is a pleasure to welcome a very, very, very special guest to the program. Nick Gauna was a kicker for the University of Alabama, Roll Tide, for two seasons, including the 2015-2016 National Championship team. Today, he will discuss his thoughts on the Crimson Tide's notable prospects in the 2020 NFL Draft, his experience playing for one of college football's elite programs, and how he got into that program, and a lot more. Nick, it is a pleasure to finally, finally have you join us. We've been playing this for quite a while. How you doing, man? David, doing well. How are you? Appreciate you having me on. Um, I'm doing well as well. Thank you, Nick. We appreciate having you on as well. And uh, let's start off with uh, some questions about you. Uh, you told me before we went on the air that uh, you played for the Crimson Tide for just two seasons. How did you eventually wind up at Alabama? Yeah, so it's kind of been, you know, a little bit all over the country. Um, started out playing Division II college basketball at Mesa State and Grand Junction out of high school and, um, you know, ended up not being the right fit, just kind of a small school, small program. Um, so decided to move on from there and, Kind of just decided, you know, I wanted to live the college life and enjoy that. So I transferred to the University of Kansas since I had um, a bunch of friends that went there and family nearby. Um, you know, being a athlete, I got bored of that real quick and decided I wanted to play sports again. So, you know, started kicking again and, uh, you know, did everything I could to see if I could get a walk-on opportunity at the University of Kansas, reached out to all the coaches and they basically had said, you know, they're not looking to add any kickers at this time. And so sent out my recruiting tapes to a bunch of different schools and just so happened Alabama um, reached out for a walk-on opportunity. And that was, you know, something I couldn't pass up for sure. So headed down to Tuscaloosa. Oh, that is a wonderful, inspiring story to all of us, uh, whether we want a career in sports or media or whatever. It's a testament to hard work and perseverance, Nick. Thank you so, so much uh, for sharing that with us. And uh, let's talk about uh, the guy who has made the Alabama one of the uh, most elite programs in college football in recent years, and, that, and that's Coach Nick Saban, obviously. Uh, what makes the Nick Saban-led practices so unique compared to other college football practices? Yes, uh, football is a grind, but obviously the Saban grind uh, is obviously a step or two, if not three or four above uh, most other college football programs. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's he's the real deal, and it's, you know, it's a uh, football factor for a reason. I mean, he does everything the right way, and he demands perfection, and, and you know, Full speed, full contact at all times. If you, you know, let up for a second, there's some guy behind you waiting for your job that's just as good as you, if not even better. I mean, the competition down at a school like that is unbelievable. So you got to bring it every single day. It's it's pretty unique and pretty fascinating to be a part of. And uh, Coach Saban, uh, there was a tape of him that uh, Lewis Riddick. Uh, tweeted over the summer about a press conference uh, he gave in recent years about uh, not just uh, developing uh, good football players in Alabama, but developing good citizens for life after football as well. How did playing for Coach Saban help make you a better citizen off the field as well as a good player on the field? You know, Coach Saban really does just genuinely care about all of his players, um, not only on the field, but off the field. He demands 
you know, perfection and excellence in the classroom and as a, you know, a person is, you, you know, his whole thing is, you know, basically just do your job and do the right things. Why do something if you're not going to do it the correct way? Um, there's no point in, you know, putting effort into something if you're not going to put all of your effort. And if you, you know, show up and put your best foot forward every single day, you're going to get good results and your life's going to go the way you want it to. Um, and, you know, he just really preaches that and pounds that in your head, you know, every single day. And once you start to buy in and listen to that, your life starts to get a whole lot easier. Oh, I'm sure it does. And uh, what were your uh, numbers like at the University of Alabama? Like how many field goals did you attempt or PATs and how many did you make? And from uh, what distance, if you could give us a little uh, leeway into that? Yeah, so at the University of Alabama, I was actually just a backup. Um, didn't see any time in games there. It was just, um, you know, I got to suit for the home games and stuff like that. But I was just a backup that, you know, kind of did everything in practice. Um, field goals, kickoffs, even punted at times. Um, I don't know if we've talked about this before. I actually had one more stop after the University of Alabama. Um, I played one year at Austin P State in Tennessee for a graduate um, season. Got a scholarship to go play there, so I was there for a couple months and was the starting, you know, um, field goal and kickoff specialist there. So had some stats from there, but at Alabama I was just a backup. Oh, that, that's interesting, but I'm sure you uh, treasured uh, that backup role. Uh, how much uh, did you feel like you contributed uh, to uh, that 2015-16 uh, National Championship team, uh, even in a backup role? Because there's roles for everybody on a team, as they say, even the backups and the people who don't uh, see the field during games. Oh, yeah, and that was, you know, Saban's whole thing is just, you know, whatever your box is, whatever your job is, make sure you're doing that you know, on kickoffs, if it was for kickoff return, making sure that I'm, you know, kicking the ball to the returner to get things set up and just just doing the little things. I mean, I obviously wasn't out there, you know, for a part of the game or anything like that, but being part of the team and the whole experience, you know, coming from a state like Colorado where, you know, the SEC is just a different deal in general. So coming from Colorado to the SEC, it was just a pretty surreal experience overall. Oh, I'm sure it was. And now let's talk about some of the notable Alabama prospects in the 2020 NFL Draft. And we start with the elephant in the room, and that is obviously Tua Tagovailoa. Obviously, Tua uh, declared for the NFL Draft just a couple weeks ago, and it was uh, several months after he suffered a horrendous a hip injury that ended the career of Bo Jackson, albeit uh, his uh, surgeon who performed uh, the operation uh, a, a day or so after uh, the injury said the main difference between Tua and Bo is that Bo waited too long to get it uh, worked on and he played through it, whereas uh, Tua, they immediately uh, got him help. So there is a, a lot of hope still uh, for Tua, but let's talk a little hypothetical here. Say his med checks and rechecks at the combine come back clean as uh, he and his camp expect, yet they also show that his long-term outlook health-wise is more of a mystery. Would he still be worth the risk for the Dolphins to take him at five, if not trade up for him? No, I think he still is because of his, you know, he's had three years of pretty incredible body of work in college football. Obviously, his health is a big question, but, you know, I think a player like him is somebody you take that risk on because 
you don't see somebody with all the intangibles and qualities that he has every year. Um, you know, he's somebody that I think could come in and demand, you know, the locker room right away and take hold of a franchise. And that's just something I don't think you pass up on. Oh, absolutely. And right now he remains the Dolphins top priority based on a word coming out of, of Mobile and uh, the thing I really liked about Tua from the get-go, coming into that national championship game when he replaced the Jalen Hurts, talk about a short, short memory. Like being sacked for like negative 20 yards and putting your team in danger of losing the game, yet he immediately forgets about it, comes back on the next play, and tosses the touchdown to win the national championship for Alabama. Yet again, man, uh, there there's very few people with that kind of short memory, is there? Oh, absolutely. I mean, he's just incredible. He's got, you know, all the talent in the world, but his mental side of the game is, you know, unheard of. Oh, it most certainly is. And that's why I wish Tua all the best in health and longevity in the National Football League. And another uh, Crimson Tide prospect that has a lot of people in the draft community and the NFL community as well, a buzz, is Jedrick Wills, who was the right tackle this past season for the Crimson Tide. And many people think that he is the best offensive tackle in this class, period. And this is, compared to recent years, a very, very deep class for offensive tackles. Make the case for why Jedrick Wills is the best offensive tackle in this draft class. I mean, you just kind of see it with all the, you know, great NFL linemen that Alabama's produced. He's just kind of the next one that's gone through that system that, you know, shows up every single week and does his job. He's, you know, just a solid guy who's going to put his hard hat on and get to work every single Sunday. So I, I wouldn't, you know, pass on him either. And I also hear that he is position versatile, that people like him at left tackle just as much as at right tackle. You think he could play left tackle just as well? I do. And that's, you know, even another quality that I think stands out compared to some other guys is being versatile and being able to move around on that line just makes you that, you know, much more important on that team. It most certainly does, and obviously the big headline for this uh, 2020 NFL draft class, even more so than the quarterbacks, is this wide receiver class. This could be the best wide receiver class to ever come into the NFL in its 100-plus year history, and two of the top three or four receivers are Alabama's own Jerry Judy and Henry Ruggs. When you look at Judy, man, he is the quintessential route-running maven, like very much like Amari Cooper. He just gets open all the time, and he jukes all those cornerbacks on nearly every single play. And what makes him even better than Amari Cooper is his yard and run after the catch ability. So he might be a more explosive uh, version of Amari Cooper, and we will probably see that whether it's in the 40, the three-cone, or both metrics at the combine. But you also have a guy in Henry Ruggs, and Henry Ruggs is position to break the record for all-time fastest 40-yard dash at the Cobbite. He is that fast. Many people see a Tyree Kill-type uh, player uh, in him. And I understand why most people think that Judy is going to be drafted ahead of Ruggs because of his polished route-running skills, and Ruggs still has a little rough edges to uh, clean up. But looking at the Kansas City Chiefs and how they made the Super Bowl with their Legion of Zoom off, it's not just with Tyree Kill, but Nicole Harbin and Sammy Watkins, three super fast um, wide receivers, and plus potential rumored concerns about Jerry Judy's uh, 
slender frame and 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 a, a knee issue that he previously had. Uh, there's a chance Judy could slide out of the top ten, and I've heard rumors as well that teams, based on what the Chiefs have done with uh, Tyreek Hill and McCole Harmon in particular, uh, they might like Ruggs even more. So would it surprise you if Henry Ruggs actually gets selected before Judy? You know, not necessarily. I don't think, you know, it really matters what order those two go. They're both, you know, extremely explosive players. I think it matters, um, you know, more what team they go to is the right system for them because both those guys are just incredible um, playmakers. If you get the ball in their hands, they're both going to do something special. So, you know, regardless of which one goes first, whatever team gets them is going to get a heck of a player. Oh, they both certainly are. And uh, it was rumored that uh, a third Alabama wide receiver was going to join them in the 2020 NFL draft this year, but he decided to return for his senior season, and that is Devontae Smith. And not only Devontae Smith, you also have Jalen Waddell, who is uh, not just a a super fast player himself uh, as a wide receiver, but he's also a very special in the return game uh, as well. So uh, give us an insight into Devontae Smith and uh, Jalen Waddell and what makes them special. And do you think they'll be as highly coveted as uh, Judy and Ruggs are this year? I think they definitely have a chance to be. And I think it's good, you know, coming back for them, they kind of have a shot to be, you know, those two in that spotlight position um, with Ruggs and Judy moving on. I think, you know, it gives them more of an opportunity to showcase their abilities and talents. And, you know, I mean, there's just great players everywhere um, in that locker room at Alabama. They just need a shot, and if they, they get that and take it and run with it, I mean, I think they'll be the next ones in line. Oh, it most certainly looks like it, and uh, based on what we saw from them with Tua this year, they definitely have the similar uh, ceiling as draft prospects that Judy and Ruggs will have in this year's draft. And uh, this past week in Mobile, I got to see another great Alabama draft prospect in Terrell Lewis, or is it Terrell Lewis? Uh, I've heard people some say Terrell, some say Terrell. Um, um, correct me on which one is the correct one in, in your eye. But uh, Senior Bowl director Jim Nagy said that if it wasn't for his health issues, uh, Lewis would be a top 15 pick. And he also said that he cannot think of a pro player comparison for him. What makes uh, Terrell Lewis such a very unique player in your eye? You know, again, he just um, fits that mold of the Alabama system of guys that, you know, Saban goes after specific players for a reason, and he's just one of those other guys that um, has something that, you know, not everybody's given. So he's just, you know, another incredible talent that, you know, again, has the potential to be next in line like these other guys if he continues to play, you know, the right way and do the right things. Uh, Yes, but I don't recall – an, a, a super, super elite edge rusher uh, from Alabama coming uh, this decade. Uh, this decade in the NFL, uh, one of the signatures of it has been the influx of pass rushers coming into the league, whether Von Miller, uh, Khalil Mack, uh, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, and Chase Young this year, and obviously Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox on the inside. This has been a decade for pass rushers, and uh, and I think uh, health permitting, Terrell Lewis uh, uh, could could potentially add to that list if he could overcome his injuries, and he could be the one of those pass rushers, that, if not the most elite edge rusher from Bama to come out in recent years. Oh, absolutely, spot on. 
You said it. He is Nick Gauno, ladies and gentlemen. 2015-2016 national champion from the University of Alabama. Nick, it was such a pleasure having you on the program right now. We definitely hope to have you back on the program in the very near future for our 2020 NFL draft coverage. But let's pivot a little bit here. Super Bowl 54 promises a very, very exciting matchup between the Kansas City Chiefs and the San Francisco 49ers. It's kind of like opposites attract. The 49ers, known for that elite defense, that special front four in particular, uh, front seven, can't leave my man Fred Warner out, and uh, that amazing exotic offense built on that uh, diverse um, running game and the efficiency of Jimmy Garoppolo, but going against who I just mentioned, the Legion of Zoom and the Kansas City Chiefs and the best quarterback in the NFL today in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, who do you think wins Super Bowl 54 and why? Man, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, you know, both teams have, you know, like you said, their own unique styles and completely different, but they're both entertaining to watch and both, you know, can score at the drop of a dime. I, I think San Francisco with their defense has a little bit of the edge. Um, if they have the ability to drop seven in coverage at all times, that gives them a chance to, you know, keep Kelsey and Hill and Harden and all those guys in check. Um, you know, I think San Fran pulls it off in a close one, but they better be able to stop the Chiefs because they can score in a hurry. Yes, and I think uh, I'm headed towards uh, the way you're thinking right now. I'll unveil my final prediction for Super Bowl 54 later in the week. But one thing's for sure, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is definitely going to have to make more plays in the passing game that he did in the uh, divisional round and the conference championship, won't he? He will, but at the same time, you know, if San Fran's able to run the ball like they've been able to, you know, if if it's not broke, don't fix it. Why, you know, if Jimmy doesn't pass around the ball in his hands, if the run game's working, then go with that. Um, but if he has to make plays, then, yeah, he's got to step up and, you know, show why he's worth all that money. <laughs> oh, you said it, and I completely agree, by the way, the uh, – 49ers, are, they're built to play keep away, and I think uh, at the end of the day, an even greater chance of stopping Patrick Mahomes, uh, even greater than getting pressure on him with that elite front four they have, is to keep him off the field for longer stretches of time and shorten the game. I think that's going to be Kyle Shanahan's plan initially, don't you? Oh, yeah, it, it has to be. I mean, keep the ball, you know, keep the ball in San Fran's hands, keep it away from the Chiefs' offense, because, you know, we saw what happened with both Tennessee and Houston, it doesn't matter how many points they're behind, they can score in a hurry. You said it, Nick, and thank you so much for joining us once again. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch, but we'll be back with more 2020 NFL Draft coverage very, very soon, so stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, folks, that's Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash sportscrunch so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome special guests like Nick. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 For Nick Gauna, this is David Cromelo saying so long, and as usual, stay awesome. <laughs>